0: it's coming home it's coming home it's
1: coming hey rennie quick heads up i think you meant they're coming home not it's coming home
0: it is the week in the tackle podcast i am tom rennie coming to you from my villa in Gran Canaria, where the weather today has been 29 degrees Celsius. I don't know my Fahrenheit, but I think that's 1 million Fahrenheit, judging by the burn on my head. With me, live from snowy Utah, is a man who is so pale compared to me, he is actually blending in with the snow all around his house. It is Mr. Brian Dunseth. How are you, mate? You are right,
1: Rennie, not all of us can look like Ben White who uh, seems to struggle to get off the tanning bed on a consistent basis. So, listen, it's winter. Winter wonderland out here. The snow is falling, my back hurts from shoveling, and I'm just a few days away from being within a somewhat vicinity around Tom Rennie and that gorgeous banana hammock he's rocking in Gran Canaria.
0: When are you in England again? Remind me. I know we should do this off air, but when are you in England?
1: I'm gonna. I'm. I'm trying for the 14th of January. I'm trying I'm trying for that time frame. There's a game in uh, Atletico Madrid plays Barcelona on the 8th, the Sunday, the 8th, I believe. Yeah, that's then, not in
0: England. You know that, right?
1: Then I believe we're gonna stay in Madrid and try to see Real Madrid against Valencia at the Super Copa. And mm-hmm. then that Thursday, I think, is going to be the day that we make our our way out to see the queen. No, nope, not not the queen. Uh, I take nope. that back. No, nope. the king. Nope. The king will we'll make our way over to jolly old England to see the king. At that point, I hope the monarchy is somewhat still in existence after the yeah. Netflix drop. The Netflix dropped.
0: If, if I had to choose between the monarchy and Netflix, I would choose Netflix. But that's just mm-hmm. me. Yeah. That's just me. I have never had sex watching the royal family. Or have I? Well, we should start with the, the England game. I think we should mm. do the England game because... Yeah. It was, It was. you know, it's interesting. It's really interesting uh, being an England sort of football fan. You know, I'm not the biggest international football guy. You know this. You know, mm. I want England to do well. It doesn't break my heart massively when England lose and when they win. The best thing about it in major tournaments is you get to go out with friends and you have a big day of it and it's all big fun. And we all have a good laugh about going out in the quarterfinals. You know, we've, we've been doing that my entire life. You know, oh, it's a good team this year. We've got David Beckham. Oh, we lost in the quarterfinals. Oh, it's a good team this year. We've got Alan Schitt. Oh, in the quarterfinals we've got gaza oh we're out in the quarter, quarterfinals we've got harry Ka- oh no we're out in the quarterfinals you know that's sort of what we do mm. and in recent years danny what's happened and we'll talk about the game in a minute but i want to talk about the wider context of this is that you know i've said to you on this program before i'm a big fan of gareth southgate i think what gareth southgate has done with the england national team has been terrific we have gone as an england national team in my lifetime from a joke a complete joke an international joke as you know one of my favorite films is Mike Bassett England manager and a joke in that film is that pelé who cameos in the film says basically every team in the world cup can win it and at the end the interviewer goes what about england and he goes <laughs> <laughs> that's the joke right and we are all on board with it it's an english film it's a great film you've got to watch it um but gareth southgate has changed that and and he has uh, you know my undying and unending respect for that we weren't a joke in the last World Cup and got to the semi finals unexpectedly. And that created a camaraderie around England. We should have won the European Championship on home soil and were beaten by, you know, Chiellini's Dunsethory and penalties, you know, the the lottery that is. But they should have won that tournament. And this World Cup, as they go out in the quarterfinals to the, the team that are going to win it, the only good, the great team left in it. And I think they're the favourites for me, as you know, going into the tournament. So there's no disgrace in it. But it's funny. When they've gone out in other tournaments, embarrassingly, it's been like a, a thing. When they've gone out in other tournaments like Croatia, it was like, ah, oh, I can't bloody believe we made the semi finals. Wasn't that great? We made the final with the Euros. Amazing. This has come and it's gone and it was a nothing in the end. Was it a great performance on the night? Yes, it was. Did Gareth Southgate get most things right until the substitutions, which we'll get to? Yeah, he did. Was the midfield better than their last major finals? Midfield, which was the the game against Italy. Yeah, everything got better, but they still lost and it's still a bit ignominious. And I kind of feel like, you know, I don't clamor for Gareth Southgate to go. And if he stays through the European Championship up next in what 18 months or so, great. But I kind of feel like it's not a job for life. And for all the good work he's done, this team should have won this tournament. They should have won the last tournament. And the objective is to win the tournament. And in the end, it's a knighthood because we do silly things like that. Um, it's, it's a job for life with the FA if he wants it. It's a role with England going forward if he wants it. But as manager in major games, in major tournaments against major nations, Gareth Southgate has had three tournaments. Do you get three tournaments? Do you get four tournaments? I don't know that you do. So, Danny, my view is that it's a real shame. England mm. played well should have won the game, didn't win the game, the inquest starts here. And I think maybe that's it for Gary.
1: You know, it's a fascinating conversation because I think when you look at international managers, you get this kind of narrative of now, should they refresh after each four year cycle? Right. And listen, Hansi Flick is really the only manager so far that has survived major disappointment. Luis Enrique can't. Louis van Hall end of his contract. Uh, Roberto Martinez, end of his contract. Uh, Chiche, walking away from Brazil. There's a conversation and narrative about Greg Berhalter and the the stories that he's starting to tell publicly without naming names, but effectively pointing a finger. Um, I am of the belief that there's always someone better out there. Always. There's always a better manager out there, but is there a right manager? And I think the one thing that people have to consider is there's absolutely a difference between a domestic manager and an international manager. And when we talk about this theoretical, well, who would be better? Brendan Rogers would be better? Eddie Howe, was he better? Uh, insert name here, are they better? I, I don't know. But what I would suggest is that this is a damn good team. And the 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 biggest hurdle for either Gareth Southgate or anybody else with this generation of player is what is someone else capable of doing that gets more out of this mm. team? And I, and I yeah. think that that for me is the only question: Is there someone better than Gareth Southgate? Yes. Is Gareth Southgate the right guy for this group? I would suggest yes. But I mm. think we're also kind of waiting for what some of this trickle-down information looks like. The Ben White debacle, which no one really has any clarity, but some clarity in whispers and rumors. Like That's a non-discussion, but it's still a discussion to be had. No, and then but, ultimately- but Danny, let, let me jump in on that, because you know
0: whatever happened with Ben White or whatever, that that's completely irrelevant. He was never going to get a single minute in this tournament mm-hmm. anyway. So yeah, that, that doesn't matter so much to me. The question to me, from me, to you really, as someone who's played the game and coached and everything, is in the two major games he'd had previously, Croatia and Italy, the games were very similar. There was an early goal for England. They then couldn't get control of the game. And when they lost control of the game in central midfield, they could not regain it.
1: Hmm. The
0: game went on. They were knocked out by Croatia an extra time and they lost it against Italy on penalties. In this game, it wasn't like that. So I think he had learned lessons from that. Hmm. He'd learned lessons from previous tournaments. He's clearly a better coach. And I've said to you before as well, yeah. Getting through the group stage is not nothing. It's not nothing. It's massive. It's a huge achievement. Um, You know, we had some fun with the US last week, but it is a real massive achievement to get out of your World Cup group, especially a tough World Cup group. And he's won more knockout games, Gareth Southgate as manager in his tenure than England had for the best part of 50 years, Mm. right? So all great stuff. But it's the in-game, like, let's go with the France game. Did they get the team right at the start? People are saying yes. I tend to agree they were the better side across the piece. But, you know, France wanted the game to be like that. Look at the Belgium game in the previous World Cup. It was very, very similar to that. Um, they hit on the break. They have 30% possession. They take their chances when they come. They back their players in the box when they get them. They don't need to win any other statistic apart from the one that matters, which is the goals. They don't care about winning XG battles, you know. Um, You know, when you lose a game, you've got to think about that. But in the game, our best player was Bukayo Saka. He took him off, made no sense. Um, He brought on Raheem Sterling, who'd had a personal tragedy in the week and had to go back to check his family as the house was robbed. And he brought him on to to no effect. He had another striker in Callum Wilson and decided to keep Harry Kane on, who is not a striker at this moment in time. So are we crossing the ball to nobody or are we bringing a striker on? You know, we've got an incredible crosser in the squad in Trent Alexander-Arnold. If we're going to cross the ball, do we not want to, you know, do what Louis van Gaal did a couple of days before and get the big boys on? You know, there was ideas and things he could do. There's creative talents that he could have brought on. Jack Green has got 120 seconds and James Madison might as well have stayed at home. Mm. So again, my, I have incredible respect for Gareth Southgate. And if he stays, I, you know, that's great. And he has my support. But frankly, going into this tournament, I still thought England could win a major tournament with him as manager. Mm. And having seen this tournament, I don't think he can and people will say he played the world champions and they're going to be world champions again in my view Um, and that's right but you know it goes back to Ric Flair Hmm. if you want to be the man you've got to beat the man and they just got beats and you've got to beat the man so don't come at me and tell me oh second is good enough Hmm. it's not that's not the objective of the exercise and how many mulligans do you get and Danny, well, talk, talk to me about the tactics in the game, because I yeah. thought during the game, once again, Gareth Southgate substitutions and changes didn't change the performance for the better, though the team from the start, I thought was absolutely right.
1: Yeah, I, I thought, I thought, and then now I'm going to take this from more of a, an analytical perspective, a tactical perspective. I thought he got the team right. I thought the team outplayed France. I thought they outgenerated opportunities and chances, possession, passes completed, corner kicks, every statistic outside of losing the game 2-1. Chuanemi's goals, a lawn dart. What a fantastic goal. Uh, blinded Pickford, couldn't get to it quick enough. Um, the start of the second half, Harry Kane's pen. Penalt- by the way, the referee's management questions, yeah. players in the box going down near the box, the edge of the box, fouls being committed, the offensive phase of play, how many possession and passes lead to the Chuanemi goal. Um, there, there's always theoretical arguments. By, by the way, my, my dislike for... The blaming of the referees during this tournament is like yeah I, I'm, I'm at my limit it's too much yeah like you know you I don't know, what? A, you
0: know who didn't I, do that gareth southgate didn't do that not once classy. not, not once. one time
1: yeah uh harry so. mcguire kind of did that uh not as classy but not classy played played a played a pretty well played a, played a pretty played a pretty good tournament spit that one out um here's the problem now we we can do all this, right? And I think you're right. Everybody that you 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 pointed out, the names, the faces, the changes, the the possession, the tactics, the sh- the shape, the crosses, the the like for like players, all of that works. My only retort is that when you're watching this game on the sideline, Gareth Southgate and his staff had to have felt like that second goal was coming. Mm-hmm. And up until Olivier Giroud outclimbs everyone and pushes that ball side, Harry Maguire, Um, all of a sudden, I think that he felt the game was in their favor. Now you yep. go down 2-1. Now it looks reactionary because you bring on Mason Mount, you take off Jordan Henderson, you bring on Raheem Sterling, you take off Saka. And then all of a sudden, I still think they were 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 digging into this game more and more. Listen, at the end of the day, Harry Kane, doesn't launch a ball to, to Mars from the penalty spot. Mm. We're not having this conversation,
0: right? Can, we're, we're, can I ask you about that? Can I can yeah. ask you about that? You know, you, uh, I'm assuming I loved you're a penalty taker. Uh, yeah, no, I, mean, I let, loved them.
1: I took them all the time. Listen, yeah.
0: Let, let, let me ask you about, uh, about that because l- 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 I'll tell you this right now. If you'd have said to me, I don't know, bet this flamingo who I love who's sitting behind me on this call, you know, bet my mortgage bet my flight home, you know, bet West Ham's future, bet, you know, I wouldn't say the kids because, you know, my wife and him, and she like that. Uh, But, you know, I would have done it on Harry Kane scoring that penalty. We Harry would've. Kane, as you say, is, as far as I'm concerned, an elite of the elite player. Tell me how he misses that penalty.
1: I, I think the psychology of it's difficult, right? Because, number one, the complexity of this being his goalkeeper at his club team, the relationship that they have, the amount of times they've faced each other this is and this is where taking penalties are a specialty look how poor some of these penalties have been from like the most technically gifted superior players in the world so the 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 reactionary play of the elite players this is psychological so you think about put the ball down got to wait for the referee to man the goalkeeper man everybody outside the penalty area blow the whistle you know the fans, you know the stage, you know the cameras, you know the eyeballs, all of those things at play. The complexity of the relationship with Hugo Lloris for 10 years being on the same team, facing each other, taking pens, all of this, beating him early in the match, and then the psychology of, does the goalkeeper still choose the same angle or is he reading the body? Does the does Harry Kane go in the same exact direction or does he overthink it? Well, he's going to go this way, I'm going to go that way, I'm going to go this way, should I do this one? He makes the right decision. He just misses. He just flat out gets underneath it. He was trying to roof it, going straight down the middle, thinking that Hugo Lloris mm. was either going to go to his left or go to his right. It, he, unfortunately, his plant. I, I went back and I watched his footing. No, it wasn't a footing issue. It was just an execution issue. And this is what happens when you try to blast it with laces. When you do this, there is always inevitably a threat of getting under it because you have to strike it perfectly. There's zero room for, for error on this. You hit it too low, right down the middle, goalkeeper's feet still have a potential of hanging in the air. You try to go mid, there's still, what what's the reaction? Can he swing a leg up or swing an arm up? And then finally, when you try to smash Roof from that distance, like his accuracy is world-renowned. Elite of the elite of the elite. He's one of the best. He just missed. And unfortunately for Harry Kane, this is going to be something that just doesn't haunt him now. It's now a bullet point. It is a memory in the generations of England fans. That is another reference point of missing out on a World Cup and going out in a quarterfinal.
0: I saw an amazing tweet and our listeners will need to get in touch to to give credit to the appropriate person because I I can't remember. I've had a load of wines today. Uh, But um, it was a great tweet, which was post-game and it was, Gareth Southgate must be stopped. He won't stop until everyone in England has missed a penalty and knows how he felt in 96, which I thought was a tremendous, (laughs) tremendously funny uh, uh, black cue moment from, from an England fan. Anyway, swinging her out. I think that, that, you know, again, massive test against a major nation on foreign soil. uh, And, you know, when you consider beyond France, the run to the World Cup final would have gone through uh, the USA, Wales, Iran, uh, Senegal, France, Morocco. Then a final against the poor Argentina featuring Lionel Messi. I mean, look, when when you don't win the tournament, it's always shoulda, coulda, wouldas. But a bit like the European Championship previously when it was Ukraine and Denmark before the final against the poor Italy, who haven't qualified for the, the, the World Cup. <sighs> you know, these things come around and I keep reading, you know, their time will come. I think there was a real feeling this was the time. It was. And the next tournament that comes around, Harry Kane's still gonna be sharp and hopefully he'll be playing for Bayern Munich by then and actually have the taste of winning something and won't miss penalties like that. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I said to you last week that I think America, are the West Ham of world football, and I think what we learned in this game is that England are the Tottenham. Uh, let me ask you about France uh, mm. again. It was it was it was a poor performance in terms of what it looked like, the eyeball test, as you will put it, but it was a, just a tremendous managed game. I thought, yeah. you know, it was a, it, when you watch it, and I've not watched it back, of course, but I never will. But watching it live, you felt like even though England were on top, even though England were were, were trying to force the initiative, you always felt like France had a semblance of control, Dunny. And, mm. you know, this team, they're world champions for a reason, aren't they?
1: I i, I was a couple things on this one. Um, not surprised by the starting 11. The fact that just as a reference point that we are watching this France team do this without N'Golo Conte, without Paul Pogba, without Karim Benzema, without Christopher Nkuku, not as big of a deal as the previous three mentioned, is really extraordinary. Uh, The golden head of lettuce and their, in turn, golden banana hammock, Olivia Giroud. I mean, what else can you say about this guy and what he's doing right now at this stage of his career? It is extraordinary, extraordinary to see. Antoine Griezmann, very quietly... Had, is is being so incredibly effective playing in and underneath and off the shoulder that it kind of makes you forget what the last couple of years has looked like domestically for him. Mm. Uh sa- Same can be said for Usman Dembele on that far side. Um Maybe the biggest surprise, well, I say there's two surprises was how quiet Kylian Mbappe was during this match. And what a, what, just from a physical output, he and Kyle Walker, I could watch that all day. Um, Rabio has finally, I think whatever the label was with Rabio from PSG to Juve and his mom and the agent and the strife and the move to Man United and not, he's been really good this tournament. Uh, yep. and, and and the partnership between Rafael Varane and Upa Makano have been really good. It feels like there's still every single game a clanger from Hugo Lloris, or two clangers from Hugo Lloris, and then he all of a sudden comes up with a save that you would never expect a goalkeeper of his size and stature to be able to make. And I would say finally for Didier Duchamp in this game in particular, the fact that Kingsley Coman was the only change he made for Usman Dembélé, and that was what with ten minutes remaining. Um shows you that this was the team that he believed in and he couldn't look down that bench and see a way to introduce anybody else that would help him maintain what they were trying to do, which is hold on for dear life. So I don't think this team is as good as it was in the previous World Cup. And yet here we are watching this team amongst two massive surprises in Croatia that we didn't think have the legs, an Argentine side that's being willed by Lionel Messi. And then finally, the biggest surprise of the tournament, for all the right reasons, Morocco. So yeah, listen, they are the favorites, but they still have a lot of work to do if you can figure out how to minimize Kylian Mbappe in the way that England minimized him during the match.
0: I want to ask you about the other semifinalists and their quarterfinals. Um, Obviously, we we did a lot of England there because it's the one I watched. (laughs) So we probably, (laughs) it made sense to do that. Uh, but one final question on France to you. Uh, and I wanted to get your view on Olivier Giroud because uh, a winning goal in a quarter-final against England is not nothing. He is the the, the all-time leading goal scorer in France international football. He's a World Cup winner. Uh, you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's on almost everything there is to winning in the game. And it's a really interesting thing with Olivier Giroud in that it's a great example. He is a wonderful example of A how a man can just be so beautiful. Mm. Uh, But B, that Twitter knows f*** all about football. Sorry, Tim. Because if you go with Twitter or social media, Olivier Giroud is rubbish. Mm. If you uh, speak to, you know, just some bloke down the pub, ah, don't rate Giroud, mate, no good. You go on Twitter after Giroud's play for Chelsea or latterly for Arsenal during the later days of his Arsenal time, He can't run, he can't move. I remember a West Ham fan friend of mine saying, we shouldn't sign Giroud. I remember doing a phone-in on Sirius XMFC with an Everton fan saying he wouldn't touch him, you know. Olivier Giroud, Danny, for me, I just think he's a spectacular footballer. I think Mm. he is such a great facilitator of other players. I think his goal-scoring record is is incredible. I think his work rate, his longevity, his flexibility, everything about Olivier Giroud, I think is what a striker should be and uh i'd I love your view on him and and that point about the fact that that social media the reaction on social media is not actually often true really
1: yeah listen the the olivia one's always been an odd one to me because i always respected the way he played um you know being a being a former defender central defender watching his movement Listen, he's not the most fleet of foot, right? He's not the most dynamic, but you can't argue. My man knows how to put himself in great goal-scoring situations, right foot, left foot, presence, hold-up play, headers, all of that, generating chances for for teammates as well. Um, and 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 constantly, I think attracts the attention of two center backs, not just one center back, because of his presence, his size, his movement. So yeah, we 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 do the thing where we say Benzema elite. Harry Kane, elite. Lewandowski, elite. Now, uh, Erling Holland, elite. The rest of them kind of hover in this, this stage. But if you look at statistically what Olivier Giroud is doing, not only at the international level, but what he did at Chelsea, or Arsenal, what he did at Chelsea, um, effectively having to leave England because it didn't feel like there was any interest from clubs that were worth his level of play to go to AC Milan to win a Serie A, um, and, and by the way, go to an AC Milan when You knew Zlatan Ibrahimovic was the man, even though mm. he's injured, to go there and still play that position and still have that effectiveness. Um, listen, he, he, he's an incredible player. And, and and what's even more incredible about this storyline, this tournament, is how how ruthlessly effective he's being when he wasn't supposed to be the guy. He he Benzema was supposed to be the guy. This was supposed to be Benzema's tournament, especially with everything that's transpired over his career or black thereof, international career, because of all the off the field stuff. So, yeah, man, listen, it, it is an incredible, incredible story for Olivier Giroud. Um, and yeah, uh, you know the 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 common narrative and and fan experience on Twitter is is certainly different than what you know Didier Deschamps would. Try to explain from the value of Olivier Giroud, as would his teammates.
0: Right. The other game, the other semi-finalists, the other stories in the quarterfinals, finals uh, Let's start with Morocco. Mm. Uh, no one saw Morocco making it. Um, n- no one thought they'd, they'd get. There was some discussion. The only person I saw that picked Morocco to get out of the group was Samuel Yeah. Uh, of all the people that I saw, no one else that I can recall of all the he also had Cameroon in the, the
1: final, so you know he's completely full yes. of it. Yeah,
0: Yeah, you get the feeling he was backing the African nations. But (laughs) either either way, you know, even, you know, a stop clock is right. All that twice a day. Um, How have they done it? Considering, you know, Hakim Ziyech. I've watched Hakim Ziyech in the flesh several times. Mm -hmm. I've never seen someone give less of a toss about playing football. I've interviewed Hakim Ziyech and he didn't give a toss about that either. I mean, he just doesn't care about anything. And he's the captain of the nation, you know, out of the nation. They brought, they sacked the manager so he'd come back in, all that sort of stuff. How have they done it, Danny? Explain it to us.
1: Yeah, I, I think first off, it's the manager, right? The, the The manager has created a team spirit amongst the group that has allowed all of these clash of personalities that previously uh, found themselves on the outside looking in with the previous manager and, and the Moroccan FA making a, a really gutsy and bold move. Um, when when the new managers jokingly referred to as egghead ahead of the tournament, I don't think he, uh, he had the respect of the nation or the fan base yeah um listen incredible goalkeeping leadership uh, across the back line um dogged defending in the midfield and then a splash of buffal uh zh and el nesri up top and they're fun to watch they're exciting to watch they're tough tackling they're not afraid of the dunsethry the house talking any of that sorry tim uh the dark arts they've got all of that in their back pocket but they are playing with house money. They've got a spirit. And I'll tell you what, their style of play is fun as f*** to watch. Sorry, Tim. This is a fun, fun team to watch. So I don't see, if you're a neutral, I don't see how you can't be pulling for this Moroccan side. And and again, the byproduct of this, this World Cup being in Qatar is watching this nation's fan base. These Moroccan fans have been extraordinary in this tournament. Uh, from a team that I don't think anyone was going to wake up at 3 a.m. mountain time to keep an eye on. So now all of a sudden, being in the semifinals, they got two games, Mm. right? They're they're either playing in the final or they're playing in the third place match. So why not go out with everything? And I think that's what you're going to see against France. France should win, but Portugal should have won and Spain should have won as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, you do kind of get the feeling watching the the Portugal game. This may well be one game too far for... Morocco with all the injuries. I don't know if Aguirre is going to be fit. You know, you don't know if Saïd is going to be fit. You don't know if if Ziyech is going to make it. All sorts of problems uh, for them going into it. But great. It's the story of the World Cup. It's the only interesting story, I think, at this point. Still going in the World Cup for me. Um, Quick word on Portugal. I mean, how did you feel watching Cristiano Ronaldo tracked all the way to the dressing room? Uh, I mean, I just thought it was a bit distasteful, really. At some point, we should probably leave Brittany alone. (laughs)
1: <laughs> there couldn't be a better analogy. a uh, couple of things. one um one of the best players in the history of the game. well established. the the yeah. fact that he's been doing this for 17 18 years at the highest level it, it's it's extraordinary. extraordinary. um everything that's transpired in the last 3 weeks a lot of it was self-inflicted A a lot of the speculation and the noise, the microscope, um, all of this has been self-inflicted. There there was really no need to go into this in this situation. Uh, The the manager's decision, um, the body language on the bench, uh, more embarrassment than anything for me. The sister's social media posts, the wife's social media posts, uh, it, it is an unnecessary circus, and was an unnecessary circus. Having a personal minder included in the group—it's—it's—it's uh, it's just crazy. Um, on top of that, the—the the walking away, walking down the tunnel, while the teammates are on the field, has been something that he's been doing at the international level and been doing at the domestic level for a long time. So the camera is going to follow him wherever he goes. I could, like, listen, I'm not trying to be malicious. I'm not trying to be rumor mill monger, all of that. But the whole hand over the face thing, I I, I wasn't, it sure looked like at the very end when he was turning the corner and he dropped his hand. Did that look like a laugh? Was I the only one was like, is he laughing right now or is he crying? like I couldn't I couldn't see at the very end. Um cuz I could have sworn he was kind of laughing. But listen, the the emotions, the reality is at the end of the day, the world cups that he's been a part of there's got there's going to have to be some type of regret about how this all played out because yeah. this was not the way that I think he expected. Um what is could be effectively, what should be effectively? The 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 final few seconds of his international career with Portugal, because um, it took massive golden nuts from Fernando Santos to drop Cristiano Ronaldo from that starting eleven.
0: Yeah, and I suppose you know it goes to the conversation earlier as well, is that this will not be a World Cup won by a great team. Maybe that leads us to the other semi-final. Let me ask you about Croatia. Mm. Um, utter bunch of sets to play, like a complete nightmare <laughs> to play against them. Um, yeah. You know. You think about Perisic and Modric so far past their best, and yet yeah, yeah. when they put on that shirt, they 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 do something incredible.
1: You know,
0: I mean, they beat Brazil. How? Yeah. What? Why? Who?
1: All, all all the things. I think on the day, um, much like England, the inability to score. Right. I was having this conversation with my son. He he was like, I don't get it. Like, Brazil, the chances they had. The mm. listen, goalkeeper, and and I, and I and I just said at the end of the day, bud, like you got to remember, there's no God-given right. Just because of the names and the faces, uh, you know, the back of the jerseys, the the recognizable, untouchable players, uh, there's something to be said. And and we do this thing, right? We talk about the faces and the names on the jerseys and where they play and what they've done and all that stuff. We talk about statistics and we talk about possession. We talk about chances. We talk about corners. We talk about all that stuff. XG, that's fine. Sometimes, and I said this to my son, I just rub my fingers together. There's something that you will never be able to describe. That comes into play. And -hmm. you can talk about passion and you can talk about belief and you can talk about, you know, fight, grit, determination, all of that stuff. But there is that unexplainable part of a game where it's just who wants it? Who wants Mm -hmm. it more? Who's got that little bit more of like, I'm going to die on this field if I have to? And I know that's probably shouldn't be saying that stuff now, but like, I'm going to give everything yeah. that I've metaphorically, got. Metaphorically, you Yeah, metaphorically, sure. I'm going to empty the tank, right? I'm, I'm going to leave no regrets. I, I won't walk off this field with a single regret looking back. Could yeah. I have given a little bit more? Could I have done a little bit more? Could I, That's where I think this Croatians, I agree with you, man. Nobody thought the legs were in it. Nobody thought mm. with these players that they were going to be replicating that incredible run they had in 2018. And yet, here the f- we are, Tom Rennie. Sorry, Tim.
0: Yeah, I mean, their pedigree, you know, 96, 98 and then the last two World Cups as well. Better than most major nations. And I think they have a population the size of my back garden. So it's pretty mm. incredible. Um, and it's worth noting on Brazil, you know, people go mad about Brazil, the shirt and all that. And I understand that. I think it's people older than me that have a kind of thing for Brazil because of the great teams they watched. Um, but it is worth noting that I didn't really fancy Brazil going in. Thiago Silva, a bit old. Tottenham's second striker, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's, it's not the most amazing Brazil ever. And, you know, everyone says Neymar. Yeah, but there's also Mbappe and Messi and blah, blah. So everyone had a great player. And it wasn't a great surprise that it didn't quite work. And frankly, I'll say this to you now. I think Lucas Paqueta is <laughs> So r- running a midfield... With Lucas Paqueta, uh, you know he can pass the ball first time. Yeah, what else you got? Not so much. The other one we should mention is is, is Argentina. I mean, how are this bang average team with mm. a beyond his peak Lionel Messi going to win this World Cup, Danny? Tell us that.
1: Uh it, there, there's something in the water, Rennie. Something in the water. I, I told you when you asked me at the beginning of the tournament who did I want to win. I said Argentina. Uh, the Lionel Messi thing, and I know this—this this, my incessant love affair with this beautiful little man—is um, documented, well documented. But I, for one, am a romantic. I don't know if you know that about me. I'm a romantic. <laughs> and the idea, Tom Rennie, of simplifying the conversation of Lionel Messi and Diego Maradona has always revolved around the World Cup and lifting a world cup trophy and until he does the stupidity of the conversation that he is never the equal of diego maradona was outrageous to me because it doesn't always come down to one player and yet here we are we saw it in the copa medica we saw what it meant to his teammates that they were acutely aware of the pressure and the narrative surrounding Lionel messi in finals, having lost two previous Copa America finals. Mm. Um, and, and to see this team right now after the shock, and maybe that was the best thing that happened was the loss against Saudi Arabia, VAR, um, because in the short amount of time, it, it made Scaloni and everyone realize, like, man, we got to get this stuff together. Uh, Lionel Messi is willing this team on, it is a collective group of, we will beat the living ish out of you. Uh, we will do whatever it takes. We will bite. We will scratch. We will grind. We will we will duncetherize the the referee, the opponents. Hell, Paredes with a hook slide tackle and smashing the ball eighty miles an hour into the substitutes bench mm. was ridiculously out of place and yet gorgeous, and yet gorgeous. I loved every second of it. Um, yeah. So. And I what, love what the reaction the, of Virgil van Dijk. What about, Dyke? The,
0: dickishness at, what about yeah. the dickishness at the end, though? I mean, that so, was. I mean, you know, they, they were both involved in during the game. Yeah. I, yeah, I know, but during the game, I'm all for it. But at mm. the end of the game, that I mean, Nicolas Otamendi. Yeah, I mean, Nicolas Otamendi. Well, like, if yeah. you I mean, Messi doing it was disappointing as well. You know, he was having to go at somewhere in the tunnel, Veikos or something. Or yeah, right? Veikos. Like, yeah. you, you won the game. That's the that. But the there's thing. no class. You
1: won the game. But the but see. We we want we want class from players, right? We want them to show what incredible human beings they are to match up with the style of play and the technical ability. The reality, man, is if you go back and watch that match, whatever Emmy Martinez had to say about Louis Van Hall's presser, whatever was happening, I know it, 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 the, the, this whole like this don't even the peppy stuff and the Bruno stuff and the Argentine referee and all—it's such horse. Shit. Sorry, Tim. It's so ridiculously deflective. It drives me bonkers. But like when you go back and you see the 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 different camera angles that we weren't necessarily getting off the world feed that are now on social media, like Veghurst and whoever it was walking up to Lataro Martinez and like talking-ish to him, the goalkeeper coming off, uh, was it Noper, coming out and like psychologically like, talking ish to, to Lataro or anybody else. like ev- this, this was the maximum manipulation in the gray area of the laws of the game to completely, sorry, Tim, f- the mindset of any of the players on both sides. Th- th- this was, we will do whatever we possibly can to win this game. Yeah, And when the, you know, when, when Lataro scores, and everybody takes off, and Messi jogs to Emmy Martinez and picks him up off the ground and hugs him. Mm-hmm. Then you see Messi walk up to Edgar Davids, one of the best ankle biters in the history of the game in terms of a defensive midfielder. And Louis Van Gaal, who was so gorgeously arrogant throughout this tournament, um, mm-hmm. because he really wasn't supposed to be there, and yet here they were. Like I didn't have a problem with any of it. The spectacle of it, like my my, I you know this. One of my, I say this all the time. One of my best friends, who's going to be with me in, in in New Year's at in Barcelona, Lucas Cortolo, Argentine. So my love for like Argentine stuff is cultivated through him and his family. Jimmy Churi, specta. Um, like we were texting back and forth. Like I don't know if I've ever seen a game. Like we've seen it in like qualifiers, and you see it maybe during Copa America, but like the intensity of hatred and like knocking everybody around and then like the afters, mm. like that was, I, I, I can't remember a game being at that level, like that yeah. intense of a level uh from the opening whistle to even in the tunnel where, where messages, idiota, va, va, idiota, va. Like, it's incredible. And then even Sergio Aguero, who's, who's retired, now tell a Veghorse to go play FIFA. Like, you don't get to shake the hand of Messi. Like, this is in- incredible stuff. I loved it.
0: This is the last show before uh, the World Cup final, I think, for us, because of your mm. dates and my dates and things. So, uh, I mean, I th- well, hopefully next time you'll be in Spain and I'll be back home in the snow. So it's going to be a full role yeah. reversal for the next program next Monday. Who will have won the World Cup by the time we're back together again? What do you think?
1: I'm going to go with Lionel Messi in Argentina. Um I think Rodrigo De Paul the hatchet man for Messi is uh doing amazing things. I think that there's just something in the water right now. Um I would love I would love to see Morocco in the final. I would love to see that. I think it would be such an incredible story. Uh but listen. I think France is the favorites of the four remaining teams. I wonder what Croatia can do after being taken to the distance by both Japan and Brazil, when you think about the Mm. short recovery time and the health of their legs. Um, And then, yeah, storylines, Lionel Messi in Argentina. So I think France effectively should win this with what we're talking about, but I just think there's something in the water with Argentina right now, so I'm gonna go with them. Uh, Well, I'm
0: gonna take France. I'm gonna take France because I have them in the Giorgio mug, and I really wanna beat Gary O'Reilly in the Giorgio mug. So if... um... France win and Croatia lose I'm probably going to win the Giorgio mug so I'm pretty excited (laughs) about that I also got France in my university friend's sweet so I'm going to win about 500 English pounds uh, if they win Um, and really I only care about myself so France win because it's better for me Week in the Tackle is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.